Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio. In the morning you are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie. How are you this morning? I'm pretty well this morning. You're pretty yeah. well. That's, that's good. That's well, good I often, I don't sleep with a pillow. I just haven't for years. What? I just can't. I Just for years, I just don't sleep with a pillow. But don't normally- Don't you wake up with like a massive crick in your neck? Well, no, I do, but but it's balanced out. There's a solution out. to this. No, because normally it's my left side, but the past two days it's been my right side, so it's kind of nice to have it a bit more even. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even complaining. Okay, Minnie, you do realise realize that pillows are supported in the Bible- there is a, a biblical. We're, there is a, a biblical precedent. <laughs> there are biblical precedents for what, using a pillow. I just can't get to sleep. Like I'll literally be have my head on my pillow, or if I go to sleep with it on my pillow, I will wake up and it's gone. Like sometime in the night, I've just got rid of it. Like I'm not even conscious of it. Yeah, maybe you had one of those dreams in the middle of the night where you were being attacked by marshmallows. In the middle, in the morning, you woke like, up and couldn't find your pillow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm good. How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm blessed this morning. I'm blessed. That's good. Yes. Any particular blessings that you want to tell us about? Well, it was kind of cool to be uh, it's kind of cool to be back in the seat yesterday, back at work, go home, get a whole bunch of stuff done that mm. has sort of been nagging in the back of my mind all the way through annual leave because it's like, well, I really should get that done, but no, I'm on annual leave, so don't. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, Sometimes. So you yesterday have- I was like, okay, sit down, get it all done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you got it all done. Great feeling of accomplishment once uh, a whole bunch of those. There's a few things left to do. Well, that's all right though. Yeah. If you got most of them, I th- I think it's really nice having a checklist list actually. When you just like have all your list of things that you want to do, and then you slowly get to mark it off, and you're like, oh, that's satisfying. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed, and, and and that's exactly what I had. I had it written all out of my pad. Yes, and uh, crossed them off as I went, and then I lost the piece of paper that they were written on. So I think I got them all done. But you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have some positively different news to start our day. Yeah, I reckon we should. So there is a story that is coming to us from, I think it's somewhere in the US. Uh, so Alfred Guerra, I don't know if that's exactly how to pronounce his name, but basically he is a 94-year-old World War II veteran and he has never faltered when it came to serving his country in World War II, but in his time of need now, his community has stepped in to help him with his house. Uh, so his family tried to keep up with the repairs of the old house, but it came uninhabitable after his son, who had kind of started renovations, he'd torn out the interior during a remodel, and he suddenly passed away from cancer. Ooh. Yeah, so it was a pretty hectic time, um, and hoping to harness the power of social media, which we know there's a bit of influence in Oh, there. yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I recently got off most of my social media. It feels great. But... There is power with the people. And so his daughter Maria reached out via Facebook just asking for help. And it wasn't before long before a variety of veterans groups heard about the man. So he'd earned a bronze star and a purple heart for acts of bravery in the Philippines. And, yeah, so the first to answer the call was the Military Order of the Purple Heart, followed soon after by the Broken Warrior. That's a big name. Uh, He said, you know, as combat warriors, we leave nobody behind. And as veterans, we leave no veteran behind. And so he's moved in. Uh, the Mr. Guerra, I want to say his name is, he's moved in with his daughter and he's just been thrilled with these repairs that are happening, which, yeah, wow. I mean, you currently, Lyle, are working on yeah, <laughs> renovating been, your own house. <laughs> been working on it for a little bit too long now. But you kind of know how it feels when you have a whole big job to do. Yes. And I guess you probably physically are more capable than um Yeah, probably, probably. I mean, some 94-year-olds are, you know, pretty 
good fitness for their age, but time does take its toll. It does indeed. It's just how life happens. It really does. Um, but yeah, so this month, hammers, saws, nail guns were all going again because it kind of had to be paused while COVID-19 lockdowns were on for a bit. A new roof has been totally donated by the SRS Raise the Roof Foundation and the electrical and plumbing systems are on their way to being updated as well. So there's a few different things that are still in the works, but I just imagine how exciting this would be. It's also, there's something about renovations that are just exciting. Like it's, well, if you're not the one doing it, well, I was just looking at me and he's like, is it? Been doing it for a year now. Um, mm. Yeah, well, from the outside, it's quite nice to be like, ooh, look, the things that are changing. And I imagine that for him, this is, yeah, just quite an exciting. And it's also, there's something to having people who are willing to come together to help you, even if you're a complete stranger. Yes. You know, that you're just like, oh, for me, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, nah, that's really special. That's really special. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it turns out really, really well for him. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have another quick story. So there is a town in New Zealand in the Bay of Plenty, which I'm pretty sure my geography is not great. I'm pretty sure that is kind of down maybe Tauranga way, like towards Whakatane. I don't really know. I just know I was in the Bay of Islands and it's not that bay. It's the Bay of Plenty. So <laughs> anyway, Sounds like a nice place. Oh, beautiful. North Island, that's what I know. But yes. there was a man, Cliff Harding. He wasn't thinking straight. He'd just been to a doctor's appointment. He had some problems, which was going to be pretty expensive. And just in feeling a bit stressed, he backed out um, of the car, car park and he backed straight into Dr. Paul Anderson, um, which not a fun time backing into anyone. No. But instead of being unhappy, the doctor was concerned and, you know, just kind of started having a conversation with Cliff and this guy was the doctor. Turns out I said Dr. Paul Anderson. And he goes, oh, you should have come to me. And so, yes, Cliff was fl- frightened with the doctor's appointment and Paul Anderson said, oh, well, once a week on a Thursday afternoon they do a free clinic for people who have been on waiting lists for really kind of whatever. And so he's like, oh, you come to me. Come see me. We'll sort you out. And so that's what he's done. And so he's got a bunch of help from the doctors there. And I just... So he had a car accident, drove into a doctor. Drove into a doctor. And the doctor gave him free medical help. Exactly. That's pretty epic. That's amazing. <laughs> this is seriously epic. Uh, but, I mean, the doctor has a bit of a story of his own. So he studied his doctoring, medicine, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> he did his study in South Africa and was part of... I, I kind of got a bit confused in the story, but there was some sort of explosion or something happened. So he got a bit... Um, injured. This is years ago before he moved over. Um, and maybe just from his own experiences with injuries, you can have more compassion on people. I think often that can be how it goes if you know what it can look like to, I don't know, invest money or resources into, yeah, something like healthcare. You can kind of, yeah, just have some empathy for people who are a bit stressed out about it. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so he's not the only doctor there, but yeah, so they run it. And he just says he has um, a half hour consult with them to begin with, which I actually think is pretty good. Most doctor's appointments I've been to, it's like a 15 minutes in, out, and you're like, bro, you know. Half hour consult (laughs) is decent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So obviously um, Cliff, Cliff was pretty pleased about the fact that someone gave him the time of day. And in another story, so wildflower meadow restoration has become a national trend after Prince Charles has planted 60 meadows for 60 years of queenship. I didn't know that. It guess it makes sense, right? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's planted 60 paddocks full of flowers. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, pretty much. 
to celebrate his mother's... Yeah, just the years that she's been a queen, I guess. Yep. 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 It's worth celebrating. She's like, I think she's the longest reigning monarch. I am pretty sure. In Europe, if not in the world. She's been there a long time, right? Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of t- lot of people who have been born, lived their entire life and died yeah. having only ever known Queen Elizabeth as the British monarch. You know what I find interesting too? I have a couple of friends who are over in the UK and it's not everyone, but even though she probably doesn't have a huge amount of governmental power, I don't actually have a clue. But there's like a certain patriotism to the Queen, not just like to the UK, but to her as an individual. <laughs> the people was like, we love the Queen. Of course. She's epic. She's amazing. Oh, she's the like- best part was I was listening to a TED Talk recently by one of my favourite artists. Um, he just has some really beautiful things. Anyway, he's just talking and he's like, yeah, you know, I met the royal family a couple of times, as I'm sure you have as well. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Is you sure we have? How do you just casually meet the royal family? And you know, he was just saying in the conversation. I actually thought it was very beautiful. I don't know the queen at all, but um, he was just saying in this conversation that he had with her that he was saying, "Oh yeah, I'm an artist." Da, 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 and he was kind of talking, and and she made some comment like, "Well, that's a bit brave." And he's like, "I never thought of it being brave to, that my artist work was my work." Full time. Anyway, kind of in the ending of the conversation, which didn't go very long, but she was like, just Charlie, keep being brave and keep making a mess. <laughs> and I was like, that's fantastic life advice. <laughs> that is actually really good advice. Right? Keep being brave, brave and keep, keep making, making a mess. Those are words to live by right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Go Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> it's just, uh, that's epic. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I think it's time for some news. All right. So Biden's first day in office, you want to know what a president's uh, highest priorities are, the most important things that need to be dealt with instantly, immediately, Mm -hmm. the day you get into office, you sign some executive orders and you get things happening. Mm -hmm. So number one priority for the United States is to uh, allow men to compete in women's sports. Oh, okay. So we're not going to do anything about the economy or, you know, COVID or, you know, um, international relations or anything like that. Um, We're going to allow biological men to compete in women's sports. So was there a specific context he was trying to, like, deal with? Like... Okay, so the the idea behind this is is that uh, he's trying to deal with, um, obviously, men who identify as being women. Yeah, yeah, but there's no like specific actual other laws or things that he's dealing with at the same time, or just this. Just this. Oh. This is this is this is the big one. This is what oh. you start your first day in office with. Okay, so I want you to think about that for a moment. So now you've got men competing in women's sports. What's this going to result in? Well, basically, it's an attack on women because it's going to first of all result in injuries to women because men play rough and they're bigger and heavier and harder than what women are. And because of that, you know, they have, uh, they have more uh, muscle mass, they have more bone mass um, than what women do. And because of that, um, it means that there's going to be a whole bunch of women who are going to be rebbed, robbed of their medals, robbed of recognition. Um, basically, this is just an attack, a straight-out attack on women. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how that plays out this is, this in sport. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, we've sort of started to see some of it here in, in Australia where you've got, um, you know, 
men who have you know been competing in say weightlifting you know women's weightlifting and just you know smashing all records mm. um obviously what did you expect was going to happen and so you know if you're going to if you're going to go down this path have a separate category for trans people at least I say don't go down the crazy path at all. Don't, don't, go, don't, go, don't, don't go down that hole. But if you're going to go down that, you know, that, that crazy hole, then create a separate category. Don't just dump them in mm. with you know, biological men with biological females, with, with, with women, mm-hmm. because that's just it's going to be just detrimental. Um, and what you've got is cases where men decide to be women for one day a week because they're like, well, gender is fluid and on Wednesdays I'm going to be female. You know, but we laugh at that, but this is things that are actually happening mm. because it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get a gold medal in, uh, in competing with men because I'm just, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing well enough, but I think I could just sort of smash it mm. against women. And, of course, they go in and they do. And it's this false idea that we must be equal in everything rather than being able to celebrate our differences and our individual strengths as men and women is like, well, no, there's no differences. Everybody's the same. This is – I have a little theory about this. Okay. I actually think as humans we want to have unity, right? I yes. actually think there's a desire for that, and I think that's a God-given desire. Absolutely. But I think that it's come at the cost of saying, well, how do we be unified? Well, we've got to be equal. What does equal look like? Equal means sameness. And what you actually come is a – it's not even uniformity. It's it's just like it's not quite unity. It's not uniformity. It's kind of this weird other place that you get. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it means that we can no longer celebrate our differences. Yeah. Absolutely. Our world is full of so much variety. So much diversity. And God has created incredible amounts of diversity for our yeah. enjoyment and our pleasure. And we want to mix it all together and create this strange kind of equality, which is just the color of mud. And it's so interesting because it's kind of almost at the same time in this context of we need to celebrate diversity. Like this is kind of the language it's oh, – yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? We need to celebrate diversity, so let's get rid of it. So let's be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a really interesting mentality to like – just as a society <laughs> You're being very polite this morning, an interesting mentality. No, well, I'm just trying to like <laughs> – I would say a lack of mentality. Me my brain is working hard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> going to have to work gonna- <laughs> a lot harder than what it is right now to try and wrap your head around this one, Minnie. I'm trying to find a language, okay? I'm trying to find a language. Being very, very polite. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me see here. This is, this is an interesting story. I'm going to talk about this story for a minute. This is a new religious uh, law that uh, has been tabled in France, mm. um, and it's aimed at uh, stopping the radicalization of religion, and to eliminate indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first thing that it does is abolish homeschooling. Oh. So 50,000 students were homeschooled in France last year. Yeah, right. And so, so, so many years, school teacher, I want you to wrap your head around this one. It abolishes homeschooling and requires all children to be in school, regular school, by the age of three. What? So basically what it is is France is 
terrified. Oh, it's about religious indoctrination. This is not, oh. not just indoctrin- not political oh. or whatever. This is religious indoctrination. France is terrified of religion and because they know that, you know, particularly parents who homeschool mm. are parents who are often religious and want to impart, you know, religious values to their to children, the kids, yeah. to their kids, and want to have an influence in their kids' lives. They're like, nah, we're not going to let parents raise kids anymore. We're going to have the state do that? This is so absurd. Okay, so Minnie, you're a school teacher. Uh, what's your thoughts? All children in school by the age of three. Oh, look, I wouldn't ask me that just based on the fact that I'm trying to study. <laughs> no, look, I I actually have quite strong views about being a teacher. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually quite black and white. I was like, if you're here for the paycheck, get out. Like, yes. have the respect for those flesh and blood human beings to that they're not just your paycheck. You know, I have a whole bunch of things that I'm like, nah, get out. Doesn't mean you should never come back, but just. But that makes zero sense to me. Also, I actually am quite a fan of the. So this is an advent. Uh, this this radio show is kind of by the Adventists of the Adventist. Yeah, we're owned by the Adventist Church. Yeah, so we have this kind of mm, blueprint. I'll call it for education, and in that blueprint, it kind of talks about starting school later and having the parents. Be parents. Be parents. That's right. Take and responsibility years, for their children. Exactly. They're foundational. And we know that, like, take it out of, a, like, you know, Christian context. We just know from child psychology that those are foundational years. Absolutely. And you're now going, and this is an argument. So I didn't start, start oh, school until year yeah, you, four, until I was, like, eight. But you were okay, weren't you? Yeah, I was fine. Well, Be- <laughs> people, would, people would debate that. People would debate that. But you had life experiences which were still educational. Yeah. We roamed the bush. Yeah. It was the best. It was the best education you could get. And, and this, is, this has always been my argument is that you shouldn't let school stand in the way of a good education. I actually agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, That's if you it. had bad parenting, I can understand if you're like, hey, we need some support here. Not all parents can do homeschooling. I get that. No, that's I understand right. that. But we that's homeschooled not what this is. our children for a period and yeah. then sent them to mainstream school for a period because that's just what worked for us. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now, it's our interview of the day, and today we have Ray Palatua. I hope I got that correct. Hey, Ray. Hey, how you going? Oh, look, we're well. We're glad you're with us. And so, Ray, you are a pastor. You're a minister out in Bathurst, Mandurama, is that right? And Cowra. Yes, it's actually Mandurama. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, okay. I've been tempted to call it that too, but uh, yeah. So, it's in, uh, Mandurama is actually in between Cowra and Bathurst. Okay, that's a, that's a fairly large, I guess you'd call, parish out there. Um, what's the distance between those towns? Yeah, so uh, between Bathurst and Cowra, it's uh, just over 100 kilometres. Okay. And, uh, and Mandurum is smack bang in the middle. So, uh, yeah. So you, so clock, up, a- you clock up a, a few kilometres every year in, uh, in pursuing ministry? Yes, yeah, there's uh, a few Ks there. And, um, no, it certainly keeps me busy. So, so how, uh, how long have you been out there, Ray? Like, obviously, you have three kind of different areas. Have you been out there yeah. for a few years now? So, yes, I'm, I'm going into my fifth year. Nice. Um, I've only just had Cowra as of February last year, so just before COVID. So yeah. it, uh, it was great. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a few. There's a few pastors, a few ministers around the place that uh, just started a new church, and um, yeah. And then COVID hit, and it's like, oh, <laughs> what do we do now? Kind of changes some things, hey. That's um, right. It certainly has. So Ray, 
I haven't yes. actually officially met you, but what I had heard of you was you have been quite involved in the community or in the communities, maybe plural, that you're in and with the church um, groups and members. I'm just kind of curious if you could share with us and our listeners what kind of avenues you've kind of gone down um, in meeting people, in meeting those community needs, in finding out what the community needs have been and what, yeah, kind of what impact that's had for your ministry in your churches and in your towns. Yeah, uh, firstly, basically just uh, started off with my little church in Manjurma, to be honest. It's uh, a little congregation of five. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> but that, that's the, the spark that has uh, just ignited everything that's, um, that's right up, uh, up, up the 100K stretch that I have. So uh, a couple of years ago, I, I, had the, um, I had some Christmas hampers, uh, about 60 Christmas hampers that I received, and um, and they were it. And because they were so immersed in the community, the community know them. Um, I just said, "Hey, who do you know that's going through some tough times that uh, would benefit from a Christmas hamper?" And uh, lo and behold, they they plugged me into several schools um, because a lot of school families uh, were struggling at the time. And uh, in Mandurma, there's there's a lot of little schools, little country schools. Uh, one, for example, there's only seven students in the entire primary school. And um, so we were able to, to plug into there, and, uh, and it just kind of blew up from that point on. The following year, we end up having uh, over 250 uh, Christmas hampers that we distributed into the region because that also included uh, Bathurst Church. And um, so this really just got me engaged and connected with local schools. So that was about two years ago. Um, now we're actually connected to 17 schools in the region. Nice. Um, August, August last year, we were able to employ uh, an associate pastor, so to speak, or Bible worker, most people will call them, um, who's actually also a chaplain at two of the public schools in the region. Um, so that was August. And uh, as of just last uh, Sabbath, I welcomed in two more chaplains who are going to be chaplains at uh, a couple of other schools as well. And um, so this has kind of led to me having a team now, a ministry team, uh, who are funded by the education department, by our public schools, and the conference uh, supports them with some ministry activities uh, one day a week, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, they've just really been able to help me connect with the community through our food pantry, uh, food parcels, and the schools, um, and so forth. So... Um, so our main connections are with the schools and um, and my basketball team. So I also play uh, on two basketball teams made up of high school kids uh, from Bathurst. And, uh, and, yeah, basketball and the food pantry has been our biggest uh, um, ministry opportunities. And it's just uh, developed from there. So with your, with your ministry team that you've got that's been working with the schools, Ray, um, yep. in total – how many kids would you be reaching out to on a weekly basis? On a weekly basis, uh, oh well, wow. with with the guys out there, um, our Monday night basketball and Thursday night basketball, I would say we'll be we're in at the kids space uh, up to over anywhere over uh, pretty much pretty close to five hundred kids. Whoa. I would say, um, in in the region because we connect all the schools together. Um, also with the basketball space um, that we play in. Our kids also play in competitions. We, we know other families and kids. Um, it's just a, a tremendous opportunity. So just having the manpower now to move and, 
in these areas has allowed me time to move in other ministry opportunities that I had a foot in the door, so to speak, but I just didn't have time or the or the manpower to, to explore those options. Um, so yeah. you, you said that these guys are kind of funded by the public education department. So does this mean that yes. – so you guys, you know clearly a bunch of the school connections – does this yes. mean like did they approach you and say, hey, we would love for you to be here? Because it sounds like you've developed a pretty incredible rapport with community, I guess, members. Yes. How did it look like for you to get into those public schools? Well, as in speaking from experience, I went to a public school most of my life and I know yeah. it was so hard to get a chaplain because, yeah, basically they had to work other jobs to be able to almost volunteer at our school because there just wasn't funding. Yes. So because there is funding now... Um, uh, the schools have literally just said, "Hey, can you can you fill this space?" So when I, the first year we had our Christmas parcels, our hampers, um, I was asked by four schools to be their chaplain. Wow! Um, and I said, "Look, I, I don't know how this works because I already have a job, but I will go ask the question." So it actually connected me with a, uh, a chaplaincy provider uh, called Your Dreams, who who uh, basically we have a really strong connection with. And um, he was able to this this company, um, Your Dreams, was able to to help me get Roger, our, um, our chaplain, into the schools. And um, because I was able to plug in a chaplain who was young and was able to connect with children, that was that was the key. A, a chaplain that could connect with children. Mm. Um, I was able to connect him to two schools, and other schools heard about it. Um, so what I've learned about the country. Um, out here in the country, the schools, the principals all talk. So, um, so this is how it all kind of develops. So, I'm, I'm now getting more phone calls about what else can you do? For me? Who have you got for me? Um, but this chaplaincy provider has been really good too, in the sense that he's been asking me about who's the pastor in this area, because I have a school that's looking for a chaplain. So, we've been able to leverage uh, the the expertise, so to speak, of this chaplaincy provider. Um, so we also, in this conference, South New South Wales Conference, we also have an Adventist chaplain um, in another school called Minildra, which is close to, closer to Orange and Parks. Uh, but we also have another Adventist chaplain around the Mossvale area um, down the coast. Um, so we're, we're finding that uh, schools are absolutely wanting uh, chaplains who can connect with kids, and that, that's the key. Um, but also for, for me to be in that space with our food pa- pantry, our food parcels, um, has shown the schools that we are a, a community-minded church mm. um, and, you know, hey, we can work with you. Because in our food parcels, I think, is, is key also, is that we don't have any strings attached. So there's no flyers. There's nothing that indicates that this comes from the Adventist church because people get curious as to where these things are coming from. Um, so I've actually grown my contact list from curious parents who have asked the school principal, where are these things coming from? <laughs> um, the only person that gets my business card is the school principal uh, because when he gives my number out or she gives my number out, I'm still the guy that has no strings attached because you gave my number out. I didn't. Oh. So, um, so, so I'm able to just say to the parent that rings me, I was like, now that I have your number, is it okay that I contact you from time to time just to check in and see if there's anything else I can do for you? And um, and that's how we've been able to develop friendships um, and build rapport and a reputation. So we're lifting up our, our profile of our church in the region mm. where we now have really strong connections and working relationships with the Rotary Club, Lions Club, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, 
Um, our Bathurst mayor now has uh, has asked us, what else can you do with youth ministry in our town? So just last Friday, we actually ran a um, an event down at the skate park where we had pizza that was donated by a local business and um, we had a sausage sizzle to connect with some of these kids uh, because some of these kids that get suspended from the school that we have a chaplain at, Instead of being at home doing the schoolwork, they end up at the skate park. So we're now trying to build a presence there just to build connections with these kids to see what else we can do for them and mentor them and have these relate, um, these conversations about uh, making right choices, resilience. And uh, what we're finding that being in that space, um, we're having God conversations and mm-hmm. it's just organically happening. Um, so like our basketball team's um, – Roger's actually having Bible studies with four of the boys. And four of these boys actually asked for the studies. We didn't have to push anything on them. They've actually wanted to have these studies. That's awesome. And, um, and these, uh, and it's, it's been brilliant because these boys are now disciples who are bringing other boys into the, into the mix. So we now have guys saying, Hey, this thing that you do on Wednesdays, can we, can we actually come and check it out? So, uh, so it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's been a, a learning process. Um, but we just see that God is certainly moving um, in a big way in our region. So we, we just thank him for what he's doing. Absolutely. Because I, in case you don't know, Ray, I'm studying primary teaching and I am not the best organizer out there, but I get very, oh, what's the word? I know. I just often feel like children's ministries and teens ministries gets really left behind. So I get a bit excited when I hear people talking about it. I'm like, oh, yes, be where the youngsters are. <laughs> um, so I think that's amazing because I think, as you said, when I've interacted with, yeah, I guess particularly teenagers, often they're super willing to have those God conversations, but they don't always have a space to have those conversations. And I yes. think there's something about when you can come to them and they see that you're authentic and there's an interest that you genuinely have and even like you said, that no strings attached thing, because they, well, I find that teenagers can kind of be a bit sus on you. They're like, okay, I'm going to see yeah. how far I can push this to see if you really mean it when you're going to, you know, kind of kick around with us. Um, yeah. And then that creates a kind of trust where you can, yeah, you can just share God in a really meaningful way, I think. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Because like, you're kind of still absolutely. sussing out the world at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm in the unique position where I'm not attached to a school. And mm-hmm. I don't know any of these parents. So I'm kind of like, you're a church pastor, so you seem to be a, a safe space. And because you're not pushing the Bible on me, can I talk to you about some stuff? Um, so being able to talk to kids uh, in regards to yeah, um, peer pressure, um, drug use, and all these kind of things, and try and keep them in a safe space. Mm-hmm. So um, And because we're getting that reputation of what we're trying to do and no strings attached, and we're saying, well, we're just really interested and supporting our young people and giving them a yeah a safe space for them to hang out with. Um, that's where our councils and our, our, our local basketball association, the, the stadiums, just open it up for us. So we actually now have um, a Saturday night basketball uh, where we just open up the basketball stadium, let's play, let's eat some food and just hang out in this space. And we're now having community leaders come and reach out and say, we would like to uh, be a part of what you're doing. How can we support you? Um, and that's just been a, a tremendous uh, thing. So uh, one of our biggest supporters is a, is a parent um, whose son just came to one of these basketball events. And the second time he came, the parent actually brought his son along because he didn't believe his son. Because his son just said, look, I, I need you to take me to the basketball stadium. There's two pastors that are playing games and just open it up. 
and the parent thought he was actually, this kid was trying to lie and take off to a party. So the parent actually came and, and uh, introduced himself to myself and Roger, um, and yeah, he just said, look, I love what you guys are doing, how can I support you? So he actually organised our free pizzas for last Friday, and uh, he connected us to the, uh, the mayor of Bathurst, and, um, and the mayor of Bathurst actually owns a, uh, runs an op shop right next to the skate park, and he said, look, you can use whatever you, whatever I have here at uh, the facilities, it's yours at your disposal, just, uh, just fill the space and connect with our kids. Yeah, amazing. So, Ray, we are basically out of time, but if people want yep. to support you, I guess they can find a way to contact you. They can contact us to get onto you. Um, yes. Yeah, we have about, I don't know, 20 seconds left. If there's anything else you want to share with the listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I just say please keep praying for, for yeah. us out here um, because, you yeah, know, the, the, the harvest is ripe out here. Uh, just the workers. The workers are few. But uh, <laughs> we're trying to find out figure out ways to uh, to have workers out here and, again, supporting the ministry uh, with our food pantry has a big, big part to play. There's uh, Things are getting worse. So St. Vinny's keep bringing us for help so you know things are bad when St. Vinny's are calling for for some help. Yeah. So. No. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.